Look at the stare of the champion against the challenger. The irresistible force meeting the immovable object. Look at the size of the giant. I mean, Hogan is six foot eight. Andre is seven foot five. And his opponent to be making his way down the aisle from Grenoble in the Flip Flops, weighing 520 pounds, the eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant, escorted to the ring by his new manager, Captain Louis Albano. Madison Square Garden on its feet, 25,000 plus is Captain Louis Albano, the new manager of Andre the Giant. Brings the big man out, and he is enormous. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestling with the Truth. My name is BC Hunter. Flying solo as far as the hosting duties, but not flying solo as far as guests tonight. I am honored to have two premier Canadian authors here with me. We have Pat LaPrade and Bertrand Hebert. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? Very good. Thank you for the invite. Happy to be here. Very good as well. Thank you. Yes, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was, uh, I got to say a, a thank you to Dave Boyce from uh, Kaizen Pro Wrestling. That kind of was our hookup. I, uh, he uh, he kind of greased the wheels for this, and that was very appreciative on his part. So uh, have you guys dealt with Dave in the past? Um, we met Dave, and uh, no, you, you know who he is, Bert. Uh, we met Dave in, in Vegas, actually, for the Cali, Cauliflower Alley Club. He, he was part of the... Uh, <clears throat> the Canadian crew, but also the Maritimes crew. There was, there was always a big, a big crew coming from from the Maritimes uh, with Madison Miles and and mm-hmm. and, and other people from um, uh, from those provinces. So uh, that's where we actually met a couple of times in the, at the Cauliflower. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure there was a couple of beers along with that crew too. Uh, yeah, a couple of beers. There's always beers. Yeah. couple is kind of a understatement under- yeah understatement <clears throat> yeah I, I am known i am known to actually find a place where the beer is actually always the cheapest <laughs> a- any convention we go to i am that guy who finds that bar where beers are two dollars or three dollars it used to be a dollar even a beer in uh in charlotte uh north carolina but uh, that was a one-time deal <laughs> Uh, well, Vegas is the place where you're going to find those cheap beers. That's the nice thing. <laughs> or just stand by a slot machine and just tip the waitress as she goes by and get your beers there. <laughs> yeah, but you're spending in the machine, so it's not really the same thing. But yeah, but in Vegas, we always do the same bar. And uh, and yeah, I mean, Dave Dave, and, and the rest of the Canadian crew is always a, a fun bunch to to hang with. So uh, it's always a fun time. For sure, it's a it's a great wrestling community down here in the uh, Atlantic provinces, and it's actually it's booming right now too, so, which is nice to see. We had kind of a, I guess during the aughts, as you call it, the two thousands, it was kind of slow, but it's really starting to heat up again ever since about two fourteen, two fifteen. So it's nice to see we got lots of options around here, and especially yeah. coming from such a traditional wrestling territory with you know Grand Prix, international wrestling, that stuff. So yeah, it's nice. Yeah, and indie wrestling has been doing well, d- doing well throughout throughout Canada, you know, and then Ontario, Quebec, uh, BC, Alberta, you know, and and uh, uh, Winnipeg. I mean, it's it's uh, in every province, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's going good. So now I'm going to do my best, Larry King here. I'm going to say the book is the eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> the authors, Pat LaPrade, Bertrand Bear. Let's talk this book. <laughs> so, but uh, before we get into this, uh, maybe we can, if you want to just give a quick, um, just uh, who you are and, and what you do. I, I, I know you, you've co-wrote three books together. Is that correct now? Yeah. Is it three right. books? Yeah. Yeah. Three, three books. Yep. Three books in both languages. So right. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, uh, I'll start. Uh, so I'm, um, uh, like you said, we Bertrand and I wrote uh, three books: the story of uh, Montreal, uh, Mad Dog's Magician's True Jobs, also uh, the Mad Dog Vachon biography, 
Um, I also wrote the history of women's wrestling, Sisterhood of the Sword Circle, with Dan Murphy, formerly from uh, PWI. Um, I've, I'm, uh, I'm hosting Raw in French uh, in Montreal, an hour of Rivalry Week for close to five years now. Um, I'm also involved in, in many other projects, you know, locally, you know, documentaries and uh, stuff like that. I have my own podcast as well in French. So a lot of French stuff. I also have a, a column in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated mm-hmm. uh, about the Canadian scene, which is called Coast to Coast, uh, where, you know, I talk about, you know, every, uh, almost every promotions or, or, you know, everything that's going on on the Canadian independent scene. Um, and I also take care of the uh, Pro Wrestling uh, Hall of Fame, the Quebec Wrestling Hall of Fame here every uh, every year. So, uh Busy guy for uh, for wrestling, but uh, Bertrand has been uh, has been very busy lately too. So I'll let I'll let you I'll let you explain that. Well, so we did the, the three books together that Pat mentioned. I also wrote uh, with Pat Patterson uh, his biography accepted. Um, I used to be uh, the the official correspondent for the Montreal territory for Pro Wrestling Illustrated back in the day with Bill After. Um, and I was involved in the local scene here as a promoter for uh, eight straight years and uh, here and there since, uh, ever since. And uh, my son has just started his own wrestling career in the past year or so. Uh, keep an eye on uh, Zach Patterson, who nice. actually maritime uh, last month. If you read my last column in the PWI, you know, I'm talking about Zach. So <laughs> one of the best rookies we've seen uh, on the uh, Quebec indie scene in a very, very long time. So, You know, I was a massive Pro Wrestling Illustrated fan back growing up in, in, uh, in the 80s, just devoured PWI and the wrestler and inside wrestling and all these. Just loved it because being here, obviously, in uh, Halifax, we weren't seeing stuff like Mid-South and we weren't seeing um, Mid-Atlantic and the NWA. We get highlights and stuff. And just that was our access to guys like Ric Flair and the Road Warriors and all this stuff. And it made me think, uh, Bertrand, you, I think, it was it the 90s that you were writing with PWI? Uh, yeah, late, late, late 89 to uh, mid-1990s, uh, yeah, more right. or less. I was wondering, did, it must have been much more difficult at that point as you were seeing the veil of kayfabe kind of fall away uh, doing that type of work compared to... I mean, you hear the stories of the 80s where some of the interviews were just done by <laughs> Bill Hafter or something like that. At that point, they had started the PWI Weekly. So they were mm-hmm. trying to come up with uh, results mostly. So it was the results. With, you know, And we had a few special things like an intercontinental switch between Razor Ramon and Jeff Jarrett. And we had the Quebecers who had the big push in Montreal, which was unique to the territory. So... Uh, it was those type of stories, you know, I broke them, the retirement of Raymond Rougeau and, and things of that nature. So that, you know, it was way before, you know, the veil of Kayfable uh, left, but it was basically what was going on and and what are the particular stories to your area. So we were very lucky in Montreal as there was always something different uh, than the, the rest of the circuit. It's funny. It's funny because, uh, you know, I was a huge uh, magazine consumer as well and before I ever met Bertrand before I ever started on on, on the uh, Quebec scene in 2001 of course you know one of the few names I knew was Bertrand's because you know he's the name I was always reading when he was sending uh, the NCW results uh, the promotion he was he was booking at the time which you know I didn't I didn't know what it was, you know, but I, I remember seeing the names and seeing Bertrand's name. So uh, he, he was one of the <clears throat> very few names I already knew when I, I started on, on the scene. And it was, you know, it was like maybe five or six years after he had actually stopped. But, you know, when you see a French name uh, from Quebec in, in an American magazine, you kind of remember it for life. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, it's no different for us when we see a local. Same thing, right? You know, uh, Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon are mint down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll jump into to the topic that uh, I want to talk about, which is the book, of course. And, um, you know, right off the get-go, I was wondering, what was it exactly that inspired you guys to tackle this subject in particular? Because I'm, 
I mean, obviously there's a glut of information about, about Andre the Giant available to people, but I mean, I was just uh, just amazed with how deep you guys went, the amount of research that you did and the amount of people that you talked to. So what originally was the inspiration for tackling this subject? It's a project we had, we, we wanted to do uh, since we did our first book on the history of, of Montreal. And we pitched it to ECW Press at the time and didn't feel it was the right project um, at the time. So we went our separate way. Bert worked on, on Pat. I work on the women's book. And then I was, uh, I was part of the HBO documentary, um, the Andre HBO documentary, So as a, as a field producer. So all of a sudden, I had access to a bunch of new information, new contacts. Uh, you know, we flew with the team to France. Uh, I was the one interviewing the, the family over there. So I had their contacts. So um, when we pitched it again to ECW Press saying that, you know, well, you know, now I'm involved with the documentary. Maybe, you know, I'll have new accesses. Maybe it's worth something now that I'll be I'll be field producer on it. And um, and ECW Press said, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is the right time. Uh, it, it, it's always, you know, he 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 was he was a wrestler that everybody knew all over the world, but at the same time, he meant so much to the city of Montreal, the province of Quebec, because even though he wasn't here for a very very long time, Montreal was always his second home away from home, and he, he was no pun intended, but it was really larger than life sure. and, and here especially. So it was always a subject that we, we wanted to, to, to tackle at some point. That's exactly that. And after we did the, the Mad Doug Vachon book, which was first in French, then English, uh, it, it just seemed with Pat being involved with the documentary, it just, you know, pieced everything together. And he, he had so, so, such a strong tie to your original book that you know that made sense and, and uh, as i was mentioning before uh, we started uh it, it was perfect storm is that all the goodwill and all the contacts that we made through uh the, the previous books all started to pay off because our work was respected so the more we talked to those people now they open even more they would go a little bit deeper they would bring that story that they, they didn't want to mention at first or that they had forgot but then it came back to them because we had all those discussions so it, it just was a perfect storm perfect timing and uh, we're really really proud of that book for sure yeah and i was thinking as i was going through the book i mean obviously there, there's the montreal connection there's the french connection of course with andre being french D did you find that maybe people might have been a bit more open to talking to you guys about different stories, especially in the Montreal region where you're, you're both French, you're both from that area. Did, do you think that might have been an advantage at all as far as uh, some of the subjects that you were dealing with? I'm not sure if that was uh, a thing more than what Bertrand mentioned, is that after the Montreal book and after the Mad Dog Bichon book, and by the time we did Andre, uh, you know, uh, Bert had written... Pat's book and I had the women's book. I just think our work was, you know, we, we had made our place in 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 into those uh, uh, authors that were uh, respected, wrestling authors that you know were respected, and and you know we 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 did all the conventions, you know, within since 2013, you know, we did so many conventions, met so many people, we were everywhere, and we made so many contacts. Um, that I just think that our work was respected. So anyone who actually uh, that we got in touch with, they either knew we were or knew of the work we have done. And, you know, but by then we were known to be, you know, strong researchers, uh, historians, especially from Montreal, but that we really, really knew our craft. And I think that helped more than anything else. It's it's one word. It's trust. We build a lot of trust with a lot of people. From there, that's where they open. That's where they go a little bit extra for you. They give you that interview they would never give anyone else. Uh, they they take the time to tell you that story that they thought they never say. So it's it's the trust factor uh, that we build uh, to work in those years leading to the book. 
Sure. Now, obviously, Montreal played a big factor in, in Andre's career and life, to be quite honest. And it, it, it just seemed like Canada was a bit of a match made in heaven because we, we are a bilingual country. We, we have the, the province of Quebec, which was a perfect fit for him. He even had his uh, part-time home there, I guess you could say. So it was a, it was a great fit for him. Um, as far as uh, the Montreal wrestling scene were you guys growing up fans of Andre? Had you seen him uh, perform uh, live or anything like that? Or is it more so you kind of grew? Because I, I use the example, I grew up watching WWF in the mid-80s. By that time, as we talked about in the book, Andre was hurting. He was, his, um, you know, his weight had, had kind of ballooned, so he was a bit slower and stuff like that. I still had an appreciation for him, but I didn't get to see that Andre in his prime, you know, or, or before the injury started taking toll. So for yourselves, were you big Andre fans, or have you grown to become larger Andre fans, pardon the pun, since doing this? Bertrand is older than me, so I'll answer first. <laughs> The, 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 the chance of uh, seeing Andre live at Pulse Away and at the Forum for International Wrestling. So that's before, uh, it's not his prime, but it's before he was way past his prime. Right. So he, he was larger than life. And Andre had that persona, uh, you know, it was the sheriff coming to town. When Andre was coming back, is that there was a hill that needed a lesson. And it was always very special when they were to announce, oh, next show or in a month from now, Andrew the Giant, uh, John Ferret will return. He will team with Dino Bravo and Edouard Carpentier against Hulk Hogan and so and so and 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 all of that. So it, it was very special each time that he, he made the, the town. He, he would do interviews. He would uh, bring highballs to the product that no one else could. And that's a little bit of what Gino Brito told us in the book. I mean, sometimes he had to fight with his partners because Andre was more expensive than, than other talent, but no one else would bring more people to the show. Uh, so that, that he was very special and it was very special to see him in Montreal in that environment where he was local while being, you know, that megastar, uh, that, that the, he was and became even further than any one of us could have it, ever imagined. I don't have much recollection of Andre in international wrestling. I know I've seen him wrestle on TV. I know I've seen him wrestle live at the forum or at the Pulse Will Be Center. Uh, but, you know, I was, I was six years old in 80, 82. So, you know, it was his last year last two years with the company so i was between six and eight so i was still pretty young uh, but my but my, i i i i knew he was i've seen him and you know my mom and dad would would, would talk to me about andre because they have seen him you know in the 70s um but my very first big memory of of andre was wrestlemania 3 Sure. You know, it was at, at the very end of international wrestling, but WrestleMania 3 is probably the tape that I've rented the most in my life. And um, yeah, VHS and everything for those younger oh, of you <laughs> who, who don't know what that is. But so, so, so I've rented that tape so many times. And, and Andre and Ogan being the main event, I, by, by then, Ogan was my guy. You know, mm -hmm. he, I mean, I started with Dino Bravo as my local hero. And then I switched to Ogan when I started watching WWF. And Andre and Ogan was like the matchup, the dream match that you never think you would ever see. And to me, it felt special because of the connection uh, with Andre and, and Montreal and the province of Quebec. Uh, because, you know, I remember, you know, I, I, I cannot remember not knowing who Andre the Giant or Jean Ferry, probably most of, you know, probably mostly his French name, Jean Ferry or Jean Ferry, more than Andre the Giant. But I don't recall not knowing him, uh, not knowing, you know, that that he, he existed. So, so there was a name that that were that was going down, that was going like back to my uh, to my very very childhood, and uh, it was just uh, I know the match wasn't good because when i watch it now i can understand you know the, the the work wasn't you know the best of andre's career obviously but it was such on a big stage and it mm -hmm. was you know one of the most memorable matches in, in in modern wrestling history right sure 
you, you described it in the book and just the buildup that leading to it. And I still, to this day, say it's it's one of the greatest builds to a match that 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 they've had, considering what they're working with. The you know Andre was in rough shape at that time. It, it, it was Hogan. It was Andre's name, and it was Hogan that was that was carrying that card. Um, but it's we talked about it before on our podcast. Just the magic that they did to build that up at the time. And it was very simple. And you mentioned that before we went on, Bertrand, just keeping it simple as far as the wrestling product goes. And even something as simple as having Andre come out with Bobby Heenan just automatically told you this was a heel now. And, and he was the bad guy. And yet, you, you know, you had to hate him. And then just the thing with the trophies and the, and of course the, the ripping the cross and the blood that was just, it was just such an amazing build. And, and it doesn't matter how, poorly that match went you'll just remember that as being one of the great greatest of all time just because of everything that surrounded it i mean this is booking 101 it should be something they teach their new writers at wwe today you know to go over how they presented that and what it led to and why it made sense and it created that emotion uh this was you know the 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 the, the two name and the, you know they put them together they keep them apart as much as possible going in and then when the day comes you know everybody wants to see that match uh so that's uh it was a, a beautiful <laughs> uh yeah those two years uh, with uh, the, the build to WrestleMania 3, the build to WrestleMania 4, with them stealing the belts from Hogan, the tournament, and then building up to the next WrestleMania 5 with the Hogan and Macho Man, that might be like the three years of storyline leading to WrestleMania where everything made so much sense. And, and you could almost see the the crumbs everywhere leading you to the the promised land so it was it's beautiful that's what wrestling there, there, there's there's a because obviously this was the match that you know we knew everybody knew everything about or almost everything about so there's a lot of new there's a lot of stuff that we talk about in the book that are new to most people but that match, I mean, if there was one thing that people knew about Andrea was the match with Ogan. So there, there was two things that were re really important for us. First of all, to make sure that once and for all, people know when the surgery happened. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people um, tend to believe that the, the surgery happened before WrestleMania 3, when actually it was after WrestleMania 3. And it kind of made you appreciate the match against Hogan even more because you know that Andre was in so much pain and the and and then you start to see little little things you know like like him holding the the the, the robes to 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 uh, uh to get himself up or or the way that uh, that Hogan was supporting him when he was doing when when Andre was doing the bear hug and and you you kind of see all those little things in the match that if you didn't know that the surgery happened after the match or after, you know, well, a few weeks after that, you didn't know. Uh, the other thing was a lot of people tend to say that that match was like the end of Andre's career. Mm -hmm. And it was very important for us to mention that th there was like the, 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 the birth of the big four pay-per-views or what are they calling now PLEs yeah. premium live events whatever they they, they, they name it now uh, I mean the bird of those big of those big four pay-per-views was the Andre and Ogan feud mm -hmm. so so it, it in a sense I understand why they're saying it peak at WrestleMania 3 because it was you know the passing of the torch in a sense but at the same time that feud brought <clears throat> uh, the, the, the WrestleMania 4 but it also brought uh, the, the Royal Rumble, the SummerSlam, the Survivor Series, uh, the biggest TV ratings uh, in WWE's history, you know, on the February 5th, 1988 with the title switch and, and you know, the BSZ being involved and all that. So it was, it was a feud that really was the foundation of what WWE later on became uh, with, with pay-per-views and everything. And it's something that nobody was really talking about. And sure. for us, it was like, the obvious thing you know it was like but but look at what was the main draw uh every 
a single time on you know on those first pay-per-views and it was the andre and Ogan in in one way or you know one 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 way or, or the other sure yeah exactly obviously there's painstaking detail as far as you know um gate numbers and and uh money made and different things like that but what i really loved about this book is that i think for the first time we really got to see who andre was as a person uh, and and not just the wrestling side of things but actually an individual and it was i mean you always hear the stories you know uh, you know like hogan talked about how difficult it was for him to go through airports and things like that but we never really got to see the true person and, and to me what stood out maybe i'm wrong but the way i read it it was almost like andre was two personalities or two people in one because on one side you know he was this big uh, you know lovable guy and then he also had that side of him that was just going through a lot of pain and things like that he loved the wrestling and and what it brought him with the the fame and fortune but yet it also it brought him a lot of grief as well with the the attention that he got and, and not being able to live a life like like it's mentioned, you don't just put a hat on and sunglasses and when you're Andre and go to a movie that just doesn't happen. Being from France, he, you know, he has love for his family, yet he loved to travel. And all these, so it always seemed like there was two sides to him. Is that, am I right in that and picking up on, on Andre as a person, as an individual? There was duality, that's for yeah. sure, between, you know, him losing himself into the Andre the Giant character. Uh, to a point where, you know, Andrei Rusimov was an observer, I believe, in, in a lot of way, because, you know, he, he started to, to repeat the same stories the promoter were making up and uh, to a point where uh, it would have been very interesting to be able to discuss at what point did he started to, to, to repeat those stories when people were thinking they were doing uh, actual interviews. I mean, the, the Sports Illustrated interview uh, was uh, for a long, long time, the Bible on Andre. And, and, you know, with today's eye and research, I mean, obviously, I mean, <laughs> that was Andre telling the Andre the Giant story and not Andre the Giant telling the Andre Ruzimov story uh, at all. So, I mean, there's a lot of that uh, all along and, and towards the end of his life as well. Uh, there's a lot more because the pain is very difficult. I mean, mm. we've all dealt with pain for whatever uh, reason, injury, uh, surgery, or, or, or whatever. And, and pain is, is uh, something that is very hard to uh, keep at bay. So he was medicated himself with alcohol. Um, that, that obviously, I mean, the, the famous stories of mood, mood swing and all of that, 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 but it, you know, have you, uh, when you've been in pain, you, you know, who among us has not had a mood swing, mood mm -hmm. swing, while being in pain so it's 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 all of that and it's it's you know i'm 51 i'm five years older than him mm -hmm. he ever was and, and he looked like a 70 year old man by the end right almost the way he was slowing down and all curved up and uh the the toll his body took for him so it's uh it is a very tragic story of uh, two people sharing a life. Yes. It, it was important for us to, to have the most complete book on Andre. And to have a complete book on Andre, we needed to, 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 to talk about him as an individual, as a person who was Andre Rusimov, because everybody knew who Andre the Giant was. But very, very few people outside of the wrestling world knew who Andrei Rusimov was. So it was very important to give that side to the reader. Um, and one of my favorite stories is, 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 is the one that, you know, when Andrei was in France and he was working as, as, a, as a bouncer in some clubs, you know, where and, and he made friends with some prostitutes there you know was right. sometimes you know he didn't have a place to go at night so they would welcome him you know to 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 their uh, their places and and 20 years later um he sees a prostitute in montreal in in a hotel her clothes all ripped off and you know uh, she was stolen from everything she had and he gave her a pile of money and gino brito look at him 
going, you know, what the hell are you doing? And it, it, for Andre, it was, well, you know, prostitutes and friends helped me when I needed it, you know, 20 years ago. So it's my way to repay them. And it's like, to me, it, it's, it's, it's one of the most beautiful story about Andre, who was very generous of his time, very generous of his money, and who never forgot, you know, where he was coming from. And, and there was always a way for him to show that. And, and, you know, we were lucky enough to be able to talk to his family, to talk about, you know, people who knew him outside of wrestling and to be able to give that side to, to the reader as well. We had to talk about numbers and gates and crowds yeah. because, you know, he's one of the, you know, one of the, one of the uh, largest, um, largest, I mean, he was largest draw. That's the word I was looking for. He's one of the largest draw uh, in the history of pro wrestling. Uh, but we didn't want the book to be all about, you know, numbers and 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 all that, you know. So so the the, the personal side of Andre was very very important for us. Sure. Yeah. And as I say, you could tell that you were trying to make sure that people knew there was an Andre Rusimov on top of Andre the Giant that really shone through in, in reading it. So I, I appreciate that you did that because uh, it could have easily just been here's stats, here you go. But you guys made sure that people knew about the person himself. I mean, the human side is what gives the rest of the story, the numbers, the gate, the, the travel, the, the accomplishment that what the, the price paid, the, the, the human story behind it, that's, that's the payoff. That's what makes everything else stick together. Uh, WWE had put out a book years earlier, which was ultimately a lot of uh, that that's Henry the Giant career. He went on television and he fought Big John Studd, or he went on television and that angle on the Piper's Pit. And, and you know, that there's not much in that book uh, of interest or where we had the, actually uh, the... the the details that we needed uh, for the story of Andrei Rusimov, because that's what Andrei Rusimov uh, did. Uh, that that was important, and that changed everything as far as the the story of Andrei the Giant. That's the price that he paid. That's the sacrifices that he made, and, and ultimately the, the the ultimate price that he paid by refusing to have any operation to get uh, his uh, acromegaly uh, corrected. Um, he, he, he chose a path that would ultimately lead where it, it led him. Um, so that's that's the story uh, of why and and on the how all of that happened. Again, kudos to, to you both. I mean, it's so hard to think of the human being when you have an actual um, eighth wonder of the world. You know? it, it, it's, it's, it, when you think about Andre, I mean, I see some, you know, literally a, a character that is beyond uh, the life of the person who, who played that character. He's like Batman or Dracula or Frankenstein. He, he's, he was built as something like that larger than life. Uh, and it was just an, an amazing time to be a wrestling fan, and, and he brought so much joys. He was such an attraction uh, at the time, uh, and, and you've seen what is beautiful even more today is that we've seen giant. By God, did we see many giants through the years. <laughs> How many attempts were they to recreate Andre? And Having someone being seven foot tall is not enough. Yes, there's only <laughs> you one. Know? So, you know, there was a lot more to Andre to being classically trained into pro wrestling uh, in France, uh, learning the holes and, and, and to wrestle first. And, and then, you know, combining that in uh, North America when they turned him and they wanted him to work as a giant. Uh, but Still, his psychology was sound. His technical side was sound. He understood crowd uh, reaction. So uh, we've seen that you know he was a once in a lifetime uh, character and a performer, because they've never been able to duplicate uh, the success of Andre and his impact on the collective consciousness. 
Uh, I, I was going to say, uh, being seven foot tall, to quote someone famous, you, you can teach that. But <laughs> but what Andre actually what Andre actually did prior to coming to North America is he learned how to work. And and Bertrand was talking about what he did in France. But people forget that you know before he, he became a heel and he was such a good heel in WWE uh, that um, he, he he was a heel in Japan for mm-hmm. so many years. By the time you know he started in Japan in 1970 and he he, he became a heel in what 1987. So he had a 17-year run in Japan at how to become a very good heel. So by the time by the time he did all those matches with Ogan. I mean, he was on top of his craft, not as athletic as he once was, but still, you know, he was working, he knew what to do, he knew what kind of faces to do to get the crowd to react and to, the, the, to, to get the camera to be on him. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with what Bertrand is saying is that uh, it's, it's not enough to be seven foot, seven foot two. You, you, I mean, Andre was very special, and I don't think, I mean, and I, I don't think, I'm pretty sure there's never going to have another Andre. There was something, there was an aura about Andre, and a lot of it was because of his of his disease, and a lot of it is about, you know, the, 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 the size mm-hmm. he, he had, uh, but still, you know, it's something that, um, that, that we'll never see again. I mean, what Sean threw too is the, the fact that he had such a great mind for the business as well. Oh yeah, totally, totally. And 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 uh, he was quick to to pitch ideas sometimes, and and you know, find gimmicks or you know, uh, he, he 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 was very um, he, 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 wrestling was everything for him. And not only not only did he like wrestling, but he liked hanging you know in wrestling you know and playing cards and and the traveling he didn't like that much uh, but you know being at a show with the boys uh, playing cards backstage drinking after the shows you know he he he, he really really enjoyed that life and that's why he, he never he, he never really retired when he could have you know yes. i mean he kept on going not because he needed the money just because he enjoyed himself too much and and you know a, a wrestling arena was the only place he actually wanted to be right. he's like a shark if he stops moving that's it he's done mm. yeah it's funny because uh, i'm 46 myself so putting into perspective and thinking about him passing at that age i mean and he knew he was the clock was running for him so he just lived life to the fullest and then you know, there's a lot to be said for that because you talked about in the book, he could have easily had the surgery to repair what was going on with him, but he elected not to. And um, because he knew that was part of his life in wrestling. So there's a lot to be said for somebody, you know, <laughs> making that decision, you know, making that decision, knowing that you're going to die young. And, and I mean, that's one thing that we bring up. It it might have not been the most informed decision at the time. Yes. Uh, uh, as the you know you 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 do not start to shrink once you get the operation done. Uh, however, it will make the rest of the your life manageable. Uh, let's see Big Show as an example. Sure, uh, still a huge man, uh, but you know that 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 has probably saved his life by now uh, to have gotten the operation. So um, that that's uh, that's that's a very tragic part of the his whole life is is the way he learned the news uh, probably in japan uh and, and him sticking to his gun that he was not going to get the surgery because the surgery for that type of condition was available for for years prior to andre uh, coming into uh started and 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 it's uh, i'm going to make a very uh, recent com- uh, comparison here but I understand his fear because obviously it was it was it was uh, not informed properly of of what what the surgery would done to would do to his body, but I understand his fear in the sense that look at someone like a Walter Gunter in, in yes. WWE, who's lost a lot of weight, who, who's probably in better shape than he ever was, 
But at the same time, he kind of lost his aura of such the big athletic man that he was on the Indies and when he started with NXT. And I believe that's that's what Andre feared the most, that you would lose what made him special. Mm-hmm. And what made him special was the type of body he had. Because he, he wasn't just tall and lean. He was tall and lean when he first started in France in the late 60s. But, you know, from the time he, he got here, he, he, he had a body that was very different than any other seven-foot-tall uh, who, who actually, you know, try wrestling. And that's what made him a draw. People wanted to see him because not only was he tall, but he really looked like a giant that, you know, th- those giants that we are, that we are told about in, 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 you know, in fairy tales when we're, you know, little kids. And now people had the chance to see one live in person. And that's why he was such a big draw everywhere he, he, he went. And he was he was he was not informed properly about what the surgery would do, would do to him, but that was his fear of 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 shrinking of of not being able to draw anymore, um, and and he didn't want that. And and on top of it, he didn't want to leave the wrestling world either. Right. So so so, uh, I mean, wrestling is what made him no so you know such a superstar all over the world. But wrestling is also why uh you know he he uh he left us so uh so young sure yeah a little funny sidebar now my wife who the only wrestler besides hulk hogan that she would have been aware of at the time was andre the giant she remembers Mm -hmm. watching him in the 80s with her grandfather (laughs) um she so andre i think was 13 pounds when he was born am i correct on that was it 13 pounds I think think of the book, it said he was around 13 pounds. Well, well, there's a chapter called A Big Baby. So it was was definitely big. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I think I remember 13. My wife, who is all of five foot three, 130 pounds, she was also 13 pounds at birth. So I said she has something in common with Andre the Giant. (laughs) It's, 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 I mean, I remember doing research about that and there weren't like too many... It's it's a very small percentage of people uh, being born, you know, at thirteen or you know whatever the the, the weight was. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but and and you got to remember that Andre didn't start growing until uh, until his teens. You know, yes. he was taller than other kids, but not to a point where any and you know anyone could have known, you know, the proportions he, he would he would end up you know, being so, so that came, you know, during his teens, you know, where, you know, is, is uh, one of his uh, brothers left for war. And when he came back, you know, Andre was, you know, he, he couldn't even recognize him. He said, well, what, what happened? You know, I remember him telling me, I look at my mom and I was like, but mom, what happened to Andre? You know, and, and in a very like, he, he was worried, you know, he didn't know what, what, you know, that's not, that's not the size that his brother had when, you know, the last time he saw him, but that came, you know, later in life or later in his, in his, in his, in his teenagers years. Yeah. Yeah. I like that you guys dispelled that, that myth too, that he actually had a pretty normal childhood and, and, you know, life on the farm type of thing. And, and he decided that he was done with school and all that, as opposed to some of the myths that are going around that he was just a giant right from the get go. You have no idea how many myths there was there and that we, that, that was our, the goal, you know, cause like yes. Bertrand said, you know, with the, uh, with the uh, sports illustrated story, which was kind of the Bible for Andre, there was so many, I mean, so many tales, so, so many <laughs> wrongs, you know, false stories there that it was important for us to make sure that we were telling the exact truth. And not only that, we wanted to mention, you know, so, so this is, this is a false story. So where does, you know, where did that story came uh, about and, and what is the real story behind it? So it was very important for us to uh, make all, all of those uh, statement statements. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to touch on something else here. Now you mentioned the Montreal 
territory as far as wrestling. And actually, um, uh, Pat, I had uh, watched you on a, a mutual friend of ours show, um, uh, Paul Fontaine's show, Cup mm-hmm. of Joe, and you got into the talk about the the important. What's the most important? Um, territory or province for wrestling and then you kind of reluctantly said well Ontario might be up there <laughs> as far as the top but uh, we had done a similar discussion on our podcast and we got into talking about which which province was it that that you know had the biggest impact on wrestling and, and it wasn't until I did the research that I realized how great an impact that the Montreal and Quebec territory had on professional wrestling and um you know, just to see the amount of stars that have come from there, the amount of uh, uh, tickets that have been sold for events there, the selling out of the Forum, the selling out in, in, in Quebec, in, in Quebec City as well. So uh, can you touch on just what you feel the legacy of the Montreal Territory would be as far as to wrestling? I know, that, and that's a tough question. That's that's probably another hour-long conversation, but just briefly as far as what, what you would consider the legacy of the Montreal Territory. Bertrand, you want to go first? I mean, it, it 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 did bring to the dance a lot of players that became international players uh, in different roles. Uh, also, um, you know, for for every Quebecers uh, with the French thick accent, there was even some Russians in there, and uh, some uh, some even played American. Yeah. Uh, uh, f- from there, uh, you have Kevin Owens today and Sami Zayn today uh, still being uh, representing the territory and the province. So it's it's like a legacy of uh, that endure uh, of creating stars uh, on the global level. Um, so maybe some some other places had good runs and short bursts, uh, but I mean we keep on going and uh, it goes back uh, to Yvonne Robert and it. Uh, continue today so it's uh we're there um and uh, you know it's i i always felt wrestling is a passion game it's uh, emotion so our latin blood is uh, a little bit part of it i i believe <laughs> yeah i mean i mean montreal is is it, it's uh and and since bertrand and i have you know started working on, on our first book and, and publishing it and everything. I do hope that the territory is more understood than it used to be, uh, that it's more known than it used to be because everybody kind of knew that Montreal was a big territory, but nobody really know the specific, knew the specifics about, you know, what made it that, you know, that great of a territory aside from, you know, a few wrestlers talking highly about, about Montreal going back to the Eddie Quinn years and, and Lutez and Buddy Rogers and all those guys. But, but I mean, the legacy of the Montreal territory is really the uh, one where it, it was for the longest time the most important territory in Canada and probably one of the best wrestling town in North America. I mean, I understand that it's not the case anymore. I understand that even Canada, a city like Toronto, um, surpassed us, you know, over the years, became a stronger market. But, I mean, up until the late 80s, early 90s, Montreal was, was still the town, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 had, it had such a strong linked to to all the wrestling's greats you know like like george akenschmidt and frank gotch who, who wrestled frank gotch who actually was probably one of the first stars in montreal and and there was like so, there's so many quebecers that people don't even know they're from quebec you know ronnie garvin is one of right. them and mm-hmm. and 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 um and han schmidt is another one and i mean there's so many people who came from montreal uh, who, who, like Bertrand said, you know, had such a, a strong career everywhere, especially in the territories days, that it, it's to me, it's it's a, it's a territory that not only because I'm from Montreal, uh, but it's a territory that is that has to be looked as one of the best ever, even though it's not the same anymore, you know. But but st- it's still well represented, you know. I mean. Uh, uh, we still have two guys in WWE, three if we include Maurice. 
there's uh, there's a, a how many guys? Three guys in AEW now. There's two on Impacts. Uh, on Impact, I mean, it's I find it not too not too not not too bad, you know, for an eight million uh, people province where you know we didn't have for the longest time WWE in French here on TV, you know, so it's it's uh, it, it's really something that. It was important for Bertrand and us to Bertrand and I to actually put on paper those stories, you know, those, and we did it at the right time because so many of them have passed away since. Uh, but you know, we were talking about it the other day. But there's probably a volume volume two or an updated version of the Mad Dogs Midgets and Screw Jobs book. You know, I don't think there's ever going to be a Eight Wonder of the World update version because <laughs> everything is pretty much up, you know there. But there's definitely some other stories to be told about recent history of Montreal that that needs to be told and and that's something that we're very proud of sure yeah and that's by the way is going to be my next read <laughs> from you guys is uh is mad dogs midgets and screw jobs because uh, you no, haven't you've got, yet uh, haven't yet no you've got you've got my uh interest <laughs> peak now because Anybody who's reading the Eighth Wonder book, I think you'll get a real sense of the rivalry that was going on in the Quebec region as far as the, the, the wrestling organizations there. That You get a pretty good feeling of, of what, what would be lying in that book as well. So, uh, yeah, it's um, I encourage anyone just to, you know, we, we have so many so many things available to us with YouTube and yeah. the network and things like that. Go check it out. Go see the history of that and see why somebody like a Kevin Owens or a Sami Zayn would be inspired to be going to the WWE nowadays and being some of the top names in wrestling. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it, it, it's funny because a lot of people, even though we, Andre was our fourth book, if we, if we, you know, count the book that we haven't written together, it's uh, a lot of people started to know about us because of the Andre book. Right. And that's why we, we kind of took a break after that because, you know, I, and I have no idea how we're going to be able to top that. <laughs> it, it, no, but really, really yeah. it's it, it between the, between the work we did, the research we did and the subject of the book. I mean, what other big character like this, who actually came from Montreal, we're going to be able to write about. Even, even Rougeau or Dino Bravo is not as big as Andre uh, was, you know? So, so it's going to be a very hard one to, to top, uh, but uh, hopefully we, we get to uh, write uh, together again and, 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 you know, work on another project. But it's, it's, uh, the Andre book was really something. It was at, at one point, we were talking to each other and it was kind of overwhelming all, all, you know, the comments that we were getting about Andre, uh, the Andre book. And, and I think we just needed, you know, just to, to, to lay back a little and, and, and see, you know, what's, what's our next project together would be. And, and that's something we didn't realize writing is that yeah. how big Andre is and how far his reach is, is yeah. that if you like wrestling, you know about Andre the Giant. That's that's almost everybody. It, it's it, uh, Mad Dog Vachon is still a, a very odd subject and a very known character in Quebec, but outside of the province, there is specific territories where he's well known. But he doesn't have the reach of Andre, and, and that was a surprise, a beautiful surprise, and also the the reception was very overwhelming because it was ninety nine point nine 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 percent positive. Uh, so, uh, you know, at some point you, you, you're so much in your book and you're working so hard and you're rereading, rereading that you don't see the tree in the forest anymore. So, uh, it was a very, very beautiful surprise at the end, uh, to, to see the work that we did uh, being recognized in that manner. Someone give us a one star on Amazon and I'm still, I'm still trying to find that person on social media. <laughs> I need to speak with this guy at one point or another. But yeah, that 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 one hurt a lot. He, he, may, <laughs> he may have a failed wrestling book. You should sure. He actually actually wrote that he didn't learn a lot, that everything that we are that we were that we're saying in the book that he already knew that. I don't know. 
I think he actually hacked a computer and read the book before we published it. <laughs> or That's the only or way he could know. Same island as Elvis, maybe. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I'm still pissed <laughs> off about that one, though. You, you know what? There's another guy who actually, <laughs> that was just funny. He, he bought it on Amazon and asked for uh, a reimbursement because he read the introduction and he was like, but these are all false stories. I don't want to read a book about false stories, but our introduction is about, you know, we're, 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 you know, we're telling the tales and then we're telling that everything that you just read didn't happen that way. And, yeah. you know, this is what the book is about. Yeah. But he stopped halfway through the introduction and said, hey, you know what? I don't want to read this book anymore because it's all false and it's all false stories. So I want, I want to have my money back. And I was like, really? <laughs> really and people were like telling him he, he said that on a i don't know where but i read the thread and people were like but <laughs> you're such an idiot and, and i don't know who is but <laughs> i mean come on read at least finish the introduction <laughs> oh, man. oh man yeah well the, if either of those the joy of writing a book if either of those people are listening to this podcast, please reach oh. out to please reach out to at WWTT Pod and send your address, and I'll send Pat to your home, and uh, he can just give you a, a good a smack in the head on this one. Because... No, no, I'll, I'll bring I'll bring a few beers. We'll discuss about it, but I'm not leaving till they're telling me that this book is not what they it, it's not what they think it is. I That's mean, for, for sure. Research alone, you deserve at least four stars just for the research. <laughs> and then the actual story gets you the fifth one, Damn. right? I don't know. If you, Anyways. If, if you wrote it in the Tokyo <laughs> Dome, it would have got seven, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. We right. got a missing uh, book of the year thing, but that's that's another story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Dave, Dave was actually, he's a great friend, and Dave was actually very good with us. Yeah. And he actually really, really liked the book. So, but yeah, we, we lost, we lost to the Young Bucks book uh, for Wrestling Observer book of the year that year, but. Oh, God. Hey, <laughs> but it's not Dave voting, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's his readers and, yeah. you know, whatever. But uh, yeah. it, it doesn't, it doesn't take anything from, from the book. And I, and I've read the, the Bucks book and, I thought it was a very, very great read. So, I mean, it, it is what it is, you know, but, uh, uh, but we, uh, it was a strong year. You know, there was a JR book, there was a Bucks book, there was our book, there was a Ken Shamrod book. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, you know, that, that is just, you know, it's just a nice tap on the back, but at the same time, we're very, very proud of, of the work and very happy with, with the reception of it, you know, for 99% of, 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 of what we got, you know, so. All right, so we promised there's gonna be a one hour Broadway here, so we're coming right up on our time. So I just, uh, just for fun, I wanna ask you guys a couple of rapid fire questions, just since you mm -hmm. are in Montreal, I'm assuming that you're both Expos and Habs fans. <laughs> I might I might answer more than, depending what year you're talking about. <laughs> Bertrand <Awesome>. stopped, Bertrand <laughs> stopped watching hockey, the Rocket was still playing. <laughs> Oh, but it was '93. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll make it. I'll make it easy for you, okay? Because I was a Habs fan, but I um I was a Chelios fan growing up, and they traded them to Chicago, and I was pretty mad about that. And when the whole Wild thing happened, I said, "That's it. I'm going to Chicago. They're going to be my team." But you know, you know why you was traded, right? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, <laughs> because because his knees. The doctors yeah. told Sir Chavar that his knees weren't going to keep up. Yeah. And obviously it was a bad tip, but that's why he traded it. Tip. <laughs> but they Severa got the cup, so that's that's the main thing. So yep. yeah. Uh, all right, so here we go. Favorite Habs player of all time? Guy Lafleur. Okay. Uh, I'll have to say Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh. Okay, yeah. That's, yeah. That's two. That's two good picks right there. Uh, favorite Expos player of all time? Gary Carter. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero. Oh, nice. What do you think of his son? Oh, very good. Very yeah. good, man. He has, he has the power. I mean, it's incredible to see that. I don't know, like a few weeks ago, he had the exact same stats as his dad after uh, the, the same number of, of, of games. 
I mean, it's, uh, I don't know if he's, I don't think he's better than, than, than his dad defensively, but uh, obviously, you know, his power at the, at the plate is, is awesome. And, you know, uh, yeah, I really like, I mean, I like going to the Jays, you know, once in a while, but especially since they have Vlad Jr. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Montreal Forum or the Bell Center? Forum. Well, it depends. I mean, the forum is 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 the place when you talk about Montreal, historically speaking, and and for many things, uh, you know, wrestling, hockey, and all that. Um, but I've been I haven't been to the Montreal forum that many times compared to the Bell Center. So the Bell Center is like one heck of a of a of a building. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, not a you know. I'm listening. I'm listening myself, and I think I'll go with Montreal Forum. But <laughs> I mean, the Bell Center is 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 good. I mean, the Montreal Scrooge. I was at the Bell Center. That's still yeah. you know a big yeah. venue. There's some organs, uh, big big uh, big ovation there as well. You know, but uh, as far as hockey goes, uh, Forum. You know, without doubt. Okay, uh, and. The Big O, was it the worst baseball stadium in the history of baseball stadiums? No. No. <laughs> When they were like 1994, the, the World Series that we would have won. I mean, that, oh, yeah. that summer, I mean, the, when there were like 35,000 people in the Big O, and, you know, every game that we were winning, uh, we were like getting, getting, Uh, a better position on on, on the Braves, uh, you know, in, in the first place of the East. I mean, this place was amazing. There was so, so much, such a good ambience, such, such a good atmosphere there. But I've also been to double headers on a Friday with 5,000 people for both games. And I mean, you better, I mean, at the time we didn't have any cell phone, you better bring a newspaper and a few magazines because the day is going to be a very long one, you know, <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, I don't know. The big O's always been special because I was living 15 minutes walking from the big O growing up. My uncle was an usher. I was going there, you know, way before everybody else got to get so many autographs and all that kind of stuff. So the big O's always special to me, but uh, I don't know someone, Like Bertrand, I don't know. I'm, I'm I mean, it, it, it's the key point. A full big O, full house at the big O, awesome place. Empty, that that was the issue. I mean, it looked terrible and yeah. the town was terrible. and it, it looked kind of depressing, all those yellow empty seats. Uh, but, I mean, I, I love going to baseball games. Uh, so, I mean... It's all good memories of going to see the the expo play. So on on, the, on that level, I, and I remember going to a Blue Jays game a few years back uh, when they, they they do like one or two game a year or something, and that was awesome uh, because I mean, uh, watching baseball on television is very hard for me, but watching baseball at a stadium with a full house that's always a good a good night out. And and I mean that's wrestling wise, it's the one that got away. It's it, yeah. it was the big. It, it still to this day is the biggest venue uh, in the province of Quebec, and it never, never, never old a wrestling yeah. show. And and it would have been something that people would still be talking today because there was a big boxing uh, match, uh, Roberto Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard back in June of 1980, mm -hmm. uh, which drew 40-something thousand people there. And can you imagine if there would have been, you know, a big wrestling show there with 40, 50,000 people? That would have been freaking awesome. But by the time people wanted to bring wrestling there, um, the venue was was already too old for that. And, you know, so it, it never, uh, uh, you know, it started in 76 for the, for the, uh, For the Olympics, and by '76 is the time that we that the province started to have a downfall. You know, the uh, all-star wrestling at close, uh, Grand Prix wrestling at close. So it was like a few years where the province were kind of dark. You know, with no TV deal and anything, and international wrestling was never that strong to go to the Olympic Stadium, even for Bravo and Organ match. I don't think they would have filled out the Olympic Stadium, but. 
with the right matchup, I mean, I would have loved to see that place full of, of wrestling fans, you know, but it never happened and it, it won't happen today now. So, yeah, I mean, the building by the mid 80s when they were even doing some scouting for WrestleMania 3 was, uh, you know, not considered further because technically speaking, it, it's very hard to set up a giant screen because they're, they're, it's not done for this, that's, uh, that type of spectacle. So uh, it's too bad. And, uh, you know, that's the one that got away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm in full agreement that that 94 uh, Expos team would have just walked right through and won the World Series. I, I'm, still, oh, yeah. I'm still convinced that the MLB allowed the strike to happen just to prevent three consecutive Canadian uh, World Series wins. <laughs> I mean, it would have beat those Yankees. I have no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. No doubt. There was, there was not one better team in the league uh, in, in 94. But, hey, you know, that's another one that got away. So. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, <laughs> that's great. I appreciate you, uh, you playing along with that. So uh, before we go, I just wanted to, um, you know, give you a chance to plug any uh, social media for yourself or, and where, where we can get the book as well. Well, all the books are available on Amazon.ca, Amazon.com. Uh, so Mad Dog's Mitchell and Screwjob, the, the uh, history of Montreal wrestling. Mad Dog Bachon is biography. Uh, there's obviously the eight wonder of the world, uh, the biography under the, under the giant, accepted uh, with Bertrand and Pat Patterson. Also, uh, Sister of the Squared Circle, uh, the history of women's wrestling with me and Dan Murphy. Uh, and uh, you can find myself on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Pat Leprad. Bert? I can also be found everywhere on social media uh, from the Bertrand Bar or be Bert W R E. And um, yeah, so hopefully, you know, like any other project, uh, at one point, you know, the Andrew project is probably like any of our previous projects lead us to the next one. Definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to, before we sign off here, I'll just ask if you could sum up just in, in one quick uh, sentence, what would you like to see the, I guess, the legacy of this book or what would you like to see the perception of this book be for you? The most complete piece of work ever done on Andre. Yeah. Uh, most complete piece of work ever done on uh, Rester. <laughs> even better even and I'll, better and I'll add um, the most humanizing uh, story of Andre as well well thank you thank you for thank that you. that all was right. the artist that was the artist part yeah so all right gentlemen I, I appreciate this so much this was a blast uh, I, I, like I said I could talk forever but uh, um, open invite for if you ever want to come back on again or if you want to promote anything else that you're doing I I'd certainly love to have you, and I thank you for your time. Perfect. Thanks to you, man. Thank we'll you. Keep... All right. All right, so this is PC Hunter signing off and saying that uh, we are out of here.